Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. Steve Cates. We'll be suspending, that is, our regular format today in celebration of the birth of the Christ child, as we wish each and every one of you the best for a Merry Christmas and a safe, healthy, and prosperous new year. In the Dr. Sky role today, we'll be speaking specifically about the wonders of the Christmas star, the star of Bethlehem. A star of great controversy, because over the many thousands of years, ladies and gentlemen, that we've heard the story, even today, there is no complete agreement as to what that magical light was in the sky. We look forward to our special guest today to enlighten all of us. Speaking of the star of Bethlehem, I wonder how many of you were up this early morning and looking into the southeastern part of the sky. Throughout this week, a most amazing sight. As five planets, the five principal planets in our, in our solar system, are visible to the naked eye. The planet Mercury, the beautiful majestic Venus, the planet Mars, not to be outdone by the beauty and splendor of the planets Jupiter and Saturn. But what about that magical star that supposedly was shining, leading wise men from an area we know today as Iraq? What happened some 2,000 years ago? But if I may quote from Shakespeare, in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, Act 2, Scene 2, Lines 30 and 31, we find Calperina, Caesar's wife, warning Caesar of the portents that she has seen in her dreams. When beggars die, there are no comets seen. The heavens blaze forth, the death of princes. But in a much more positive way, we look forward to understanding the magic of this most beautiful star in the skies. Joining us today throughout this entire broadcast are going to be two special guests. In just a moment, we'll be going live to Dr. Mark Kidger, who's a staff astronomer at the Instituto de Astrofisica de Canarias, as we go live to the beautiful island nation, a part of Spain known as the Canary Islands, and speak with Dr. Mark Kidger, an author of a great book known as The Star of Bethlehem, an astronomer's view to get and shed more light on what this magical light was seen some thousands of years ago guiding wise men to the birthplace of the newborn king. And then later in our program, closer to home, we'll be going live to the Griffith Observatory, sitting there in the foothills of the Hollywood Hills, that great observatory that you've seen in many motion pictures, a place that James Dean hung out and also has a statue to his memorial. As we'll be speaking with Dr. John Mosley of the Griffith Observatory, as we continue our theme here about what that beautiful star we call the Star of Bethlehem was. Was it a comet? Was it a supernovae? Was it an alignment of planets? And now, let us introduce our first guest on our special Christmas edition in celebration of this beautiful star. Let us welcome Dr. Mark Kidger as we go live across the ocean to the beautiful Canary Islands. Welcome, Dr. Kidger, and Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you two and to all the listeners. I think just about good afternoon there uh, over, over yes, in Phoenix. Absolutely, and I want to thank you for being part of this program. But first, before we get into our discussion today about the magic of the Christmas star with your expertise and scholarly advice, tell us a little bit more. We're calling you live in the Canary Islands, and I've done a little research on this, but tell me exactly geographically where you are and what is the significance uh, of the Canary Islands as far as to Spain? Well, the Canary Islands, I mean, when people ask me where I live, um, what I say is that I'm, I live on a small rock in the middle of the Atlantic, which is exaggerating a little bit. The Canary Islands are a group of seven islands. Uh, the biggest one, Tenerife, which is the one that I'm on, is around about 80 miles from end to end. Uh, and they are off the northwest coast of Africa, the, the nearest 
land uh, is uh, the African countries of Mauritania and Morocco. Uh, they're quite a long way from Spain, but uh, they form an autonomous region of Spain. In Ra- Spain has a, a federal system rather like the United States, where each region has quite a high degree of autonomy. And uh, the Canary Islands uh, have their own local government. They have uh, quite a high degree of autonomy uh, within the Spanish nation. I understand it's almost like perpetual springtime. Is that correct at that location? Well, it depends where you're living. Uh, If you're living on the coast, yes, it is very much perpetual springtime. This time of year... You can swim in the sea. It's it's like being in Southern California. You can swim in the sea, sunbathe. Uh, the temperature never gets below around about uh, the low 70s, even in winter. Uh, however, it's an island with a big volcano, very, very steep mountains on it. And if you go a bit inland, you certainly do get winter. But down on the coast where the majority of people live and where the tourists come, it really is permanent springtime. I wonder how many Americans visit this location, because I would like to someday be among those, and I'm sure many listeners would probably love to do the same. Uh, you're where out in the ocean. You're very close to the coast of uh, Morocco and Africa. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Um, it's uh, it's quite a, a long flight from the States. You, you have to fly to Madrid, and then it's a two-and-a-half-hour flight from Madrid down to the Canary Islands. Uh, it's not... Too many Americans do come here, though, of course, we do get a lot of scientific visitors. We had a a big conference here a few weeks ago that I was organizing, and a lot of the the scientists who were participating did come from the United States and from Canada, uh, and they thoroughly enjoyed it here. Well, Dr. Kidger, it's a pleasure again to have you. Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners. I'd like to understand, you're an astronomer at the Instituto de Astrofisica de Canarias, is that correct? Yes, that's right, yes. Tell us what you do there. Well, um, I work with the telescopes. Um, I, 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 I suppose uh, that uh, I'm just a normal astronomer there. I've got my observing programs, my interests in astronomy. Uh, I'm very interested in comets. I'm very interested in quasars. But really, I'm, I'm interested in just about anything that there is in the sky. Uh, and... Uh, I spend my time either observing in the telescopes, analyzing the observations that I've taken with the telescopes. Most of my time is actually spent in front of a computer analyzing the observations that uh, that I've got. Astronomers actually these days spend very little time working at telescopes themselves. Dr. Kidger, we're up... uh, It's a wonderful job, though. No, it's fantastic. We're up against a break, and when we come back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll continue with Dr. Mark Kidger, live from the Canary Islands, off the coast of Africa. His uh, main purpose today, as I'm sure we'd like to hear, is the discussion of the Star of Bethlehem, his book, The Star of Bethlehem, an astronomer's view, from all of us to all of you. The best for a great Merry Christmas and a lot more to come. We'll be right back. It is said long ago that children from around the world would wake up on Christmas Day and find to their delight the gift of toys, the generosity from a man named Claus. 
But Claus thought that none of the children would ever know where the toys came from, and that being okay with him. But his kindly deeds, that made so many children happy, would carry to far lands and not go unrecognized. So for miles and miles in every direction, people were talking of Claus and his wonderful gifts to children. The sweet kindness of his work would remind folks of their respect for a man so gentle-natured that he loved to devote his life to pleasing the helpless little ones. Therefore, the inhabitants of every city and village had been eagerly watching for the coming of Claus. Stories of beautiful playthings were told to the children to keep them patient and contented. When, on the morning following the trip of Claus with his deer, the little ones came running to their parents with the pretty toys they had found, and asked from whence they came, there was but one reply to the question. The good Claus must have been here, my darlings, for his are the only toys in all the world. But how did he get in? asked the children. At this, the fathers shook their heads, being themselves unable to understand how Claus had gained admittance to their homes. But the mothers, watching the glad faces of their dear ones, whispered that the good Claus was no mortal man, but assuredly a saint. And they blessed his name for the happiness he had bestowed upon the children. A saint, said one with bowed head, has no need to unlock doors if it pleases him to enter our homes. And from then on, when a child was naughty or disobedient, its mother would say, you must pray to the good Santa Claus for forgiveness, for naughty children will receive no more pretty toys. But Santa Claus himself would not have approved this speech. You see, he brought toys to the children because they were little and helpless, and because he loved them. He knew that the best of children were sometimes naughty, and that the naughty ones were often good. It's the way with children the world over. And that is how our Claus became Santa Claus and enshrined himself as a saint in the hearts of the people. Gaspar, Balthasar, Melchior, we three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts, we travel afar. Merry Christmas to you and yours. As we move through time and space, we're now joining live an interview with Dr. Mark Kidger at the Instituto de Astrofisica de Canarias, speaking about his book, a special book in commemoration of the Star of Bethlehem, simply an astronomer's view. Welcome back, Dr. Kidger. Hello. I'd like to see if you could give us a little more insight. We're, before the break, ladies and gentlemen, we were discussing some of the possibilities as to what the wise men might have seen in the sky, but even more important than that, give us some of the theories uh, as to what this star might have been. Well, there are, there are so many theories. It's almost like the death of the dinosaurs, that uh, everybody's got their own theory. Uh, some people have suggested it might have been a meteor, a shooting star. Some people have suggested it might have been a nova, supernova, uh, the death of a star. Some people feel that it just was a completely miraculous event, that it, it has no scientific explanation. There are people who have suggested it might have been the appearance of a bright comet. There are people who've suggested it, uh, that it was two planets passing very close together. Uh, there's been a suggestion that it was a planet, the planet Jupiter, and that was passing behind the moon. The, the moon hid uh, the planet Jupiter, then it reappeared a little while later, and the reappearance of the star was the star of Bethlehem. There, there are theories just about for every possible taste, 
And there are even people who suggest that the Star of Bethlehem did not exist at all, that uh, it's just a myth. It was something that Matthew put into his Gospel to um, give more credibility or give a, a, a supernatural element to the birth of Christ. And as I said, there are our ideas, there are opinions for all possible tastes. There are many, many more theories, but uh, these are the more plausible ones. Uh, the one theory that I think just about everybody eliminates, though, is the, is the one that I guess that many listeners have been wondering about if they got up this morning and saw Venus, yes. the dawn sky, if that might have been the Star of Bethlehem. And from what we know about the the three the three wise men, the uh, what we call the kings, they were probably astronomers or astrologers. They knew the sky very well, and they certainly would not have been fooled by a planet as bright and as well known as Venus. So, certainly, the, the idea of the star of Bethlehem was Venus was the one that we can absolutely say no, no way. That is interesting. If you're just joining us, ladies and gentlemen, our special guest is Dr. Mark Kidger, an astronomer at the Instituto de Astrofisica de Canarias. I'm interested about these wise men, as, as many people are. Uh, we're looking at the present-day area of, let's say, Baghdad in Iraq, if I'm correct, as to where they headed to move toward the uh, state now we call Israel. That's a long distance, and, and what would compel them to make such a long journey, not knowing what will lay ahead of them? Uh, exactly. It's, it's a very interesting question because the star had to be something that was very significant to them. In fact, um, we're not even sure that really uh, the wise men did come from Iraq, from, from Babylon. Uh, there is some evidence, there's some quite tantalizing evidence that they may actually have come from a lot further afield, because uh, there is a tradition, and uh, this was first found by the explorer Marco Polo, when he passed through northern Persia, what is now Iran, he passed uh, through a village uh, called Saveh in northern Iran, and there the people told him that their village had been the, the home of the three wise men. Right. And there are various other villages with a similar tradition, and uh, there are some intriguing pieces of evidence that suggest that Three wise men may actually have come from much further away, from northern Iran. And that's a journey that would have crossed two major mountain ranges, a couple of deserts, two very large rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates. Uh, it would have been one, uh, an enormous odyssey um, for these men. And difficult uh, on camel, uh, of course, as the only way to travel during this period in time, slow and Messages, of course. They had no internet. They had no cell phones, of course. I mean, everything had to happen uh, in a very slow process, I imagine. Yes, and they'd probably have taken, if they, if they came from uh, northern Persia, uh, as I personally suspect, uh, they'd have probably taken something like 10 weeks to make the journey. It would have been a very, very tough journey. And uh, the star would have had to have been something that was very, very significant to them. And that's one of the things that uh, people one of the, uh, have not been thinking of too clearly, the fact that uh, so many ordinary phenomena have been suggested when to persuade these people to make such a long and dangerous journey. It really had to be something very special with a great significance to it. 
but probably a... an astrological significance of some kind. It had to be something. a phenomenon that predicted in some way the birth of a king, and it had to be something that was related in some way to the Jews. Well, the uh, clock never gives us justice as far as the time here, but of course we're grateful for the time, and your time is particular. But I want to mention your book, The Star of Bethlehem and Astronomer's View by Dr. Mark Kidger. This is a wonderful book, folks, to read from the Princeton University Press. I'm sure, what, Doctor, you can find this on Amazon.com and uh, many good bookstores, what, all throughout the world, I'm sure. Yes, it, it is. It's, it's on Amazon. Uh, there may even be a paperback edition coming out next year, but that's not confirmed at the moment. But certainly the book is available on Amazon. Please tell us something uh, in our few closing moments here. I'd like to encourage folks again to look into the story because not to conflict with religious doctrine. Uh, we're here simply to open up the minds of all the listeners, as we always try to do, not only on this program, but many others, to give them the option to choose. And I think that's what's great in any free society. You have the ability to choose what you want to believe in. And of course, like other great countries of the world, freedom of religion is one of those. But let's also go back to this one kind of paradox that I've never quite understood. If we look at the Bible or we look into the translations, how can a star stand still over a location, if it is truly a star, because many people realize that they're way beyond the Earth and they rotate, of course, in pretty much a similar pattern. They follow each other. How can an object like that stop over a location if it's not a star? And how does it have a tail as big as a kite, so to speak? What type of object could we be looking at here? Well, that, that for many of the series is a showstopper, and that's one of the ones that may, makes people suggest that it may have been a comet, because a comet would be a large, bright star. It could hang in the sky over a village like Bethlehem. However, um, comets have one big problem, and they have always been associated with death, with disasters, um, with the quote that you made at the start, when beggars die, there are Yes. No comet seen. But Very interesting quote, yes. Bells blazed forth the death of princes. A comet would be a very unlikely star of Bethlehem. You might have seen a comet to announce the death of the Messiah or you to the death of King Herod, but it's very unlikely they'd associate it with the birth of Christ. So I don't think that one's true. However, there's a, there's a much simpler possible explanation, and uh, it, it's a very curious one. And going back to this star that the Chinese saw in 5 BC, in March 5 BC, it appeared in the south of the constellation of Aquila, the eagle. Uh, it would have been really probably quite bright, uh, as bright as the brightest stars in the sky, we can guess, because it was seen for something like 10 weeks. And if you look using a computer program, you can see that when it appeared, it would have appeared in the eastern sky at dawn. It would have been quite low in the east at dawn, and it would have been quite a spectacular object. However, you, you assume that the wise men took two, three months probably to get to Jerusalem to speak, meet King Herod. Where would the star have been when they set out on the road from Jerusalem to Bethlehem? Yes. The answer is, at dawn, it would have been exactly due south. Bethlehem is exactly due south of Jerusalem. The star would have appeared to hang over the town of Bethlehem as they set out on the road to, to Bethlehem from Jerusalem. Dr. Kidger, I just want to, excuse me for interrupting, but I just wanted yeah. to remind all of our listeners, and especially yourself, we only have about a minute and a half, but... Again, I want to thank you first for spending your Christmas uh, evening with us, as it's still uh, just early afternoon here in the United States. 
in Phoenix in the state of Arizona. But in a rather quick uh, summation, if you could, what's the leading contention in your mind? What do you think it is in about a minute? What do you think? I, I, th- I think it was this star. I think it was a Nova. It was an old, a star that, that suffered a tremendous explosion, uh, that it appeared just about at the right time, the time of year that we think that uh, Christ was born. Uh, it would have been seen in the sky at dawn. It would have been visible to the wise men on the road from Jerusalem to Bethlehem in the right place in the sky. And I'd say if we can ever get an answer, that's as good an answer as we can ever get. And then for the people who say star is was a miraculous event, you know, all I can say is that I didn't make that star explode at that <laughs> moment in time. Very interesting. Dr. Mark Kidger, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family, and hopefully we can speak again. Uh, I'd like to talk with you more and learn more, as many of us have. Thank you, sir, and great day uh, to you. Thanks very much indeed to you, and Merry Christmas to all the listeners.